Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and I'm so excited to be continuing the series on sleep. So there are two main reasons why I'm creating this series. Number one is because I know that sleep is one of the main reasons that people come to Aware Parenting, often because they're toddler, baby, older child is taking a long time to go to sleep, um, waking up in the middle of the night, waking up very early in the morning and they're looking for another approach rather than the two that appear to be available and that's what I love about aware parenting and one of the many things is it does offer this third way with sleep which can be so transformative for so many families. And the second reason is because I am making a new course on sleep. I have had one for years, but I've had a very strong calling, mainly because that one keeps breaking and getting fixed and breaking again, to create a a new one which is big and beautiful. (laughs) And I'm also going to be writing a book as well. So I'm loving keeping sleep at the forefront of my consciousness as well. So... If you're wanting to travel along on that journey, there's more episodes coming. If you haven't already listened to the last episode, that was on particularly the theoretical underpinnings of sleep from an aware parenting perspective. And I really invite you to listen to that either before this one or once you've listened to this one. So today is a question and answer session. And I have a number of questions that you've asked me on social media thank you so much to everyone who sent in a question and I'm going to start with a question about a nine-year-old and I'm going to go all the way through back to a question about a six-month-old so I also want to say before I say anything else that of course I've only got a small piece of information and Ideally, really, to support a family with sleep, the most helpful thing would be to have a session or a number of consultations with an aware parenting instructor or with Aletha Salter herself. So if you have got challenges with sleep and you'd really like to attend to it on an aware parenting level, I really invite you to come and have a look at all the amazing aware parenting instructors in the world and all they have to offer. The other thing I'd love to say is please always listen to yourself and trust yourself. The birds have come in to sing. Wild welcome swallows to really, really trust your own gut instinct on what's going on. So if you ever feel concerned, always please obviously uh, get that checked out by your health professional. Given all those caveats and preambles and things, let's start. So... This parent is talking about her nine-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And she says uh, she has awful nightmares, not every night, but most nights she'll come running into our room. We don't watch TV during the week and watch suitable movies on the weekend. We read and I try and have a peaceful bedtime routine, which doesn't always work. She shares a room with her seven-year-old brother, which she's still happy with and knows she can move to her own room when ready. She's had broken sleep for years, a bad dream, thirsty toilet, can't sleep. She falls asleep easily. She sleepwalks sometimes. 
I also get increasingly stressed the longer it takes to get her to bed, knowing the harder it will be to get up for brekkie, school, etc., which doesn't help. So first of all, sweetheart, I would love to offer you lots of empathy. I really hear how stressed you get the longer it takes to go to bed and the hardness of having all those things in the morning. And you know me, I like to bring in that wider cultural perspective to give you and everyone empathy who has got school in the morning or work or things to get up for and so that you you can't really just listen to and trust that natural uh, waking time so I really want to send you so much love now I think the clue that you've given here is you said a couple of things number one that she's had broken sleep for years and the other thing is the peaceful bedtime routine which doesn't always work So what I'd love to offer from an aware parenting perspective, of course, we're always looking at needs. So we're always looking at physiology, always looking at, okay, what what does our what do our bodies need? What do our children's bodies need to feel relaxed, to have their needs met? So, of course, it can be really helpful to offer a beautiful, calm environment and muted light and all of those things. However, if you are offering all of those, and you might want to go back to last week's episode as well, or the last episode on that, and your child is still not going to sleep, it will often mean that there are unexpressed feelings sitting there that are preventing them feeling relaxed enough to go to sleep easily, which is why it will take a long time. And also that then those accumulated painful feelings are leading them to wake up in the night and again that's their beautiful natural uh, release and relaxation process that they're actually waking up to try to express those feelings then also you talked about bad dreams and sleepwalking so I'd also see those the way that her system is wanting to um, process work with move through heal the feelings that are sitting in her body so from a aware parenting perspective it's really working with our child and what what the ways they're offering us to express and release those feelings and of course with a nine and a half year old that will be through language and talking absolutely so giving her an opportunity to share about her day and what happened and so on but at nine and a half there's still feelings there for us as adults as well So there are two main ways that we can support that. It's really looking at what you're doing, like if you talk about a bedtime routine. Are there things that you're doing that are actually preventing her from expressing her feelings? So we can be looking at, are we inadvertently repressing or suppressing feelings that are trying to come out? So is she maybe asking for one thing after another and you're trying to do those things rather than seeing actually you keep doing those things and she's still antsy and agitated. That tells you that perhaps a more helpful response right then would be a loving limit to say that you're not willing to what whatever it is that the, the lots of requests are and that you're there and that you're listening. Or perhaps you're inadvertently just basically doing things that are suppressing her feelings. So that can be a really helpful thing to look for. The other helpful thing to look for is to see other times where she's inviting either play so play through silliness and goofiness and fun because we know that attachment play is one way that children release feelings that otherwise 
bubble up in the middle of the night and wake them up, or which otherwise prevent them from being able to feel relaxed enough to go to sleep. Or the other thing is that maybe she's finding a pretext perhaps to let out the big feelings as something that she's locating them on that actually isn't the real thing, or even she is actually trying to communicate the real cause of those feelings. So it's really understanding it's very different from other perspectives where you're trying to make them feel calm. With aware parenting, we are trusting the children know how to feel relaxed enough to sleep and they are they're inviting that through play through trying to cry, through trying to rage. So it's up to us to be like that emotional detective to find out, okay, where is that point and where can I move in? So if it's play, to actually move in and be silly and goofy and playful. And that might be, I don't know if you're still reading stories to them. In fact, the father of my children is here at the moment and he's just sharing a story about his children. So he also has twins. And they're a similar age, a bit older than this, but they were asking to be read a story and there was some particular characters that he doesn't enjoy and they know he doesn't enjoy. So he read the story but put in all kinds of funny words instead and and swear words and he was telling me just now and I was literally in hysterical laughter and I said, are you willing for me to share that? So it's finding ways of, again, it's the complete opposite of other paradigms where you're trying to make them calmer. And of course, as I say, providing a calm environment can be really helpful. But if you're doing that and they're not feeling calm, it's often actually working with those natural processes of laughter, of play, of crying and raging with vigorous movement to support those feelings to be released from their bodies. The other thing I'd be looking at is that in other times of the day and maybe on the weekends can you be giving her some non-directive child-centered play can you be seeing are there ways again that you're inadvertently suppressing feelings or she's repressing her own feelings so really supporting whatever's bubbling up in her system that's causing this wakefulness so she's really getting to express that and resolve that so that so willing for that to be helpful And I'm sending you lots of love. The next question is about a four-year-old. And the parent says, I've co-slept since birth, but would love for him to sleep on his own. I'd be willing to share a bed with him, but he's so wriggly, climbs on me, needs to hold me, etc., which then really disrupts my own sleep. Would love some new ideas. So again, I'm sending you so much love. I really imagine that you would like some more restful sleep. And what I would love to share, I'd love to share a couple of things. Number one is a beautiful testimonial that I received from a, a gorgeous mama that I, that I love. And she wrote in it something like, I'm so glad I don't believe in that cultural belief anymore that we need to try to calm children down to get them to sleep. That would be like trying to put an octopus in a Tupperware box. <laughs> I just love that so much. So the other thing is really to actually to share a story. So a mama in my old sound sleep and secure attachment course, which isn't available anymore because I'm creating this new one. And she shared almost a very similar post, only her, her child was about 18 months, I think, at the time. And she was saying, you know, I'd like to support them to go into their own room and their own bed because they're so wriggly and, and antsy and so on. And I said, you know, similarly, I gave them empathy. And I also said, 
I'm going to invite you to do something different. I'm going to invite you to see if you can support them to express the feelings that are causing them to be wriggly and climbing and all of those things and then see what happens. And so she did what I suggested and went back to the course and ramped up. She wrote a beautiful testimonial, the whole process that she went through in that show of sharing it in one of my other books. She talked about really amping up her own self-care, taking Facebook off her phone. I really remember her saying that and really focusing on attachment play and listening to feelings and just really listening to a lot more feelings for her child some big cries and some big rages and lots of lovely attachment play and then her child just started sleeping longer much more relaxed and calm present in their body because that's how children want to be that's how they naturally are it's accumulated feelings it's unexpressed stress and trauma that sits in their bodies to make them all wriggly and antsy of course I always invite you to check out the physiological things first I'm assuming that always when I'm offering answers about feelings and hey presto a child got really calm stopped doing all the wriggling started sleeping through much longer chunks of time and she said I don't you know I want to keep on co-sleeping and they did carry on co-sleeping so often there's this and I I see it often this desire to if there's co-sleeping and the child is wriggly to get them to go into their own bed rather than tending to why are they being wriggly and actually to support them whilst having that beautiful closeness so that you can all get lots of lovely sleep. So it's going back to the same things that I'll probably be repeating over and over again, which number one, listening to your own feelings, getting your own support so that you actually have more what I call emotional spaciousness and willingness to offer attachment play in the evenings to offer loving limits to listen to big crying and raging to support children to actually then move into that beautiful sense of feeling lovely and relaxed in their bodies which is what they want to feel they do not want to be wriggly they don't want to be agitated Nancy just like it's unenjoyable for us to feel those ways it's unenjoyable for them they don't want to feel in those ways they want to feel calm and relaxed they want to have those beautiful restful and restorative sleeps as happens when they feel relaxed in their bodies and nervous systems. So, I wonder if that resonates with you. So, the next question is, three-year-old, never been a great sleeper, having frequent night wakings and wants me to sleep with her. Sometimes I lay with her, but as soon as I try and leave, she wakes again. Or she doesn't want me to sleep in her bed, but I'm not allowed to go back to mine either. This could happen three to four times per night. Help. So yet again, sweetheart, I am sending you so much love. I really can imagine that you might feel all kinds of feelings. You might be feeling frustrated. You might be feeling tired, exhausted, overwhelmed, powerless, frustrated. I think I already said that. I'm sending love to all your feelings. So again, I always invite you to reach out if you have an empathy buddy or if you haven't already to to get support, to get to listen to your feelings first. Because again, the, the more we get our feelings heard, The more we have our needs met, the more we're thinking helpful things, the more we're going to feel this emotional spaciousness to be able to support our children in their innate, natural relaxation processes. So again, you've given me a clue here, never been a great sleeper, usually, and of course, given that you've checked out all the physiological things, generally suggest that there are accumulated feelings that are 
preventing her from being able to sleep in the really restful and sound way that she wants to. So again, I would go back to the earlier suggestions. So pretty much be the same thing every time. Noticing, are you doing anything to actually prevent the play or the crying or the raging? Are you distracting? Are you doing things that are preventing that natural process? So again, as I will say a million times in this sleep series, we talk about children fighting sleep, but generally it's us fighting their natural relaxation processes. So the more we can do our own emotional detective work to go, ah, what's happening here? Oh, look here. See, they, she was trying to um, move into play here and I actually, I stopped that. Or she was trying to have a big cry here and I distracted her. Or she was trying to move into a big rage here and I just kept fixing the apparent needs, which weren't actually needs. They were calls for a loving limit, for example. So that's the first thing to look. Are we doing things inadvertently for the most loving of reasons to actually prevent those natural processes? The next thing would be also to observe and to watch out for. Are there invitations there? This is kind of like the same thing. So to really, once we stop doing those things to prevent those processes, to then instead to cooperate with them, to collaborate with them. So if they're inviting play by being silly and goofy, joining in with that play, doing particular forms of attachment play, nonsense play, being silly and goofy. So like that might be, you know, reading the stories but adding in funny words. If they're inviting play, joining in, being really rambunctious, silly and goofy, bringing in paraversal games, maybe a pillow fight where they knock us over with a pillow over and over again and we keep saying, no, you're not going to do that again, are you? Or, my gosh, how did you do that? You're so strong. Or they're chasing us around the house and we keep on pretending to trip over and they catch us and every time we jump up with mock surprise, how did you do that? You're not going to do that again, are you? If they're laughing... I remember one of the games that uh, the father of my children I used to play sometimes was the laugh to police games. If they were laughing, we would say, no, you're laughing. We're going to need to come and get the laugh to police to stop that laughing. You're not going to laugh, are you? And we'd, we'd be running up and down like along the house from one end to the other, just saying silly, goofy stuff like that. And of course, it's always with love. It's never any kind of Shame, it's being really sensitive. It's holding in mind the balance of attention, if you're aware of that. Uh, the birds are singing again. They, they, they just love this podcast. Seriously, every time I go to record, they're like, yay. And at the moment, so they're wild welcome. So there's, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in here at the moment. So they're happy. Can you have the quality of a beautiful wild welcome swallow free loving to sing, loving to fly. It's like bringing that quality. And I know it can be really hard because you've had a really long day and you've done so much in this culture. It's, I was going to swear, but it's just terrible at supporting families. So it's really normal and natural that the last thing you want to do is to be playful and loving. The Probably you're just desperately wanting them to go to sleep so that you can get on and probably do a whole lot of other things that you want to do or perhaps just actually have a sit down for a moment however the unfortunate thing is the more we have that energy and the more we're desperate for them to go to sleep and the more we're trying to just hurry them up that often works against the process have you ever noticed that 
because of course they need that connection as we talked about in the last episode the connection the emotional safety the loving presence to really support the that natural healing process of laughter crying raging with vigorous movement to all come out so yeah so really then observing are they offering points for attachment play another thing could be is are they clearly just trying to have a cry so then maybe start crying about something rather than trying to distract them just listening moving in close getting down to their level offering a cuddle if they want it but not in a way that stops the crying but in a way that says i'm right here listening i'm right here with you sweetheart i'm listening i see that you're upset you're letting it all out i'm here with you i love you sweetheart or it could be that they're trying to let the feelings out and they need to talk about having an emotional coat hanger to put it on. So there might be maybe, uh, it could be a few different things. It could be either they're not like the way you're doing something or the pyjamas. They don't like the pyjamas that you've got. They want the pink ones instead of the blue ones or they want the ones that are in the washing machine. So again, you could just say, oh, sweetheart, you're really here. You really want those ones that are in the washing machine. You love those ones. I so hear you, darling. And they're in the washing machine right now. And these, these, there's only these ones on offer right now. I hear you're really upset. And they have a big cry about, the, about that. Or another way it can show up is they asking for one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. And of course, we're doing everything we can in aware parenting to meet their needs. But if they're asking after one thing after the next, after the next, and or it might be just another book, another book, and they're still not calm and relaxed, it tells us those probably are not needs. They're probably trying to distract themselves from their feelings. So we can move in with a loving limit. And again, with empathy first. Ah, oh, sweetheart, I really hear that you'd like me to read you another story. And I'm not willing to read anymore right now. And I'm here and I'm listening. Yeah, I really hear that you're upset. You really like another story. I'm not willing to read anymore now, darling. I love you. I'm here with you. And again, they can have a big cry. It's not not about the books. Very unlikely to be about the books, especially if you've already read one or two already. And even if there are some feelings about the book, they're getting to express them. You're listening with loving empathy and compassion. So there are all these ways that they will be trying to use these innate, wise processes, these natural relaxation processes. So it's really our role to be an observer, to really observe what's happening here, how might we be distracting them from these processes, and how can we cooperate with them instead. And to know it's really normal and natural for all children, particularly young children, to have really big feelings and need to have a big cry and rage and it might be about, seem to be about apparently nothing because often the feelings, you know, they're an accumulation of various different things so they don't, they might not really know and often don't what, what those feelings are about. They just need to let them out. And again, as I've talked about in previous episodes, that is part of uh, moving out of that fight-flight response. This is the natural, innate physiological process of doing that through moving out through supported crying and raging so that they can release all that tension from their muscles from their bodies so that they feel this deep deep relaxation which really supports them to have a beautiful lovely restful sound sleep so 
The next one is from a parent of a two and a half year old. And you're going to be already noticing some of the things already. Who's very rarely slept through the night. So again, we can see is if a child is often, and again, parents will often say, you know, my child isn't a good sleeper. So I will invite you always to see, rather than labelling your child as as a sleeper or not, to look at what might they be communicating in their sleep. What are they asking for or inviting from us? So I'm going to keep reading out the question. It's a particularly bad habit of being awake for long periods at the moment and needing a big cry even though there have been multiple cries throughout the day. We know he's overtired as he refuses to nap, so I'm trying different strategies including going to bed at 6pm when possible. We have a lovely play and connection before bed but the night times are disasters. The whole family is suffering as he wakes her four-year-old in the same room. Any advice would be lovely. And again, sweetheart, I am sending you so much love and compassion. I really, really, really hear what a huge effect this is having on the whole family. So again, my first invitation would always be, are you receiving enough empathy and listening to your feelings and how hard this is and how big this is? And I also really want to acknowledge all that you're already doing in listening to feelings and that you already are listening to some feelings. And what I want to remind you is sleep is almost... I see it as kind of like the ultimate barometer of feelings. And again, please do all the checking out physiologically. In terms of, if you've already done that, in terms of feelings, because we need to feel deeply relaxed in order to to sleep soundly, our bodies are so wise, children's bodies are so wise. If there are extra feelings that we haven't listened to, that will show up often the most in sleep. So it's really uh, looking at, you know, particularly, and actually I didn't address this, but some some of the previous questions were they go to sleep quickly. If your child is going to sleep quickly and easily, are they basically distracting themselves from their feelings? Are they sucking their thumb? Are they using a dummy? Are they reading? Reading is often, it's a very culturally acceptable way to, to repress or suppress feelings before sleep, including for adults. Reading can be lovely, And it can also, again, work against those natural relaxation processes. So um, in Aware Parenting, we don't talk about overtired. So you said he refuses to nap. So what I want to remind you is he really wants to sleep. He wants to nap. He wants to sleep just as much as you want him to. Unless, of course, there's something really exciting going on that he would like to be a part of. But in general, really remembering that children are not fighting sleep they want to feel relaxed. They want, when they're tired, they want to feel relaxed enough to sleep. So what Germany is, it tells us, even if we are listening to some feelings, it just tells us there are some more feelings that are really sitting in their bodies that really are trying to be expressed and that are causing this waking up. And again, if you say rarely slept through the night, it tells me there's been something, some feelings sitting in his body for quite some while. And that might be birth. So again, as we know, if, you know, the more... If a baby has a more stressful or traumatic birth, they have more feelings to express. And that will often show up in night waking. So again, lots of empathy and wait to get lots of support. And it will be the same, really, the same things that I've already suggested. Really going with attachment play, following his lead, doing lots of lovely attachment play, offering loving limits, avoiding distracting him from feelings when he's trying to express them. So if, you're, if there are particular things that you're doing, 
again inadvertently and again for the most loving of reasons but to really be that emotional detective are you distracting him from when he's actually trying to do some big rambunctious attachment play or some big cries or some big rages he really wants to let out these feelings he really wants to feel relaxed and you have everything that you need to support him in that process so I'm sending you lots of love and uh, the next one how to help my almost two-year-old to become comfortable with having dad put him to bed it's been me doing it for two years but my partner is starting to try and chip in more but my son struggles to let him do it if I'm around even with connection and play before bed he still only wants me and is there anything to help this if we haven't had time to build connection before bed on those days that are finished work pick up from daycare race home dinner bath and bed so I think I might talk to the first one first is, is I'm sending so much love. You know, again, we're really not designed to live in these kind of one thing to the next rush, 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 rush. It's part of living in the disconnected domination culture. And it's so hard. And I invite you to do anything you can. So, for example, on the weekends to really maximize doing the opposite. So like lots of spaciousness, lots of time, lots of play, lots of listening to big feelings. Like, know particularly just doing all of those things and and even on those days to see like is there anything you can do and I know it's really hard can you take out anything can you reduce the amount of time that dinner takes and even whilst you're doing all of those things can you actually bring in play and and listening to feelings so to really avoid distracting so again I'll be coming back to the same things are there ways that you're unwittingly distracting him from playing or crying and raging so and just putting those in so in the in the dinner time in the preparing the dinner doing little silly funny play games just you know moving in with that playfulness as much as possible and again it's so hard when you've had a big long day at work and then you've just got more things to do but that can help us as well being playful can help us feel a bit more energized it can help us release a bit through laughter as for the dad thing, as long as you know, he gets time with his dad and he's uh, securely attached with him, dad could do some attachment play. So he could be doing some power reversal games like, but please, please, I really want to put you to bed. Please, can I do it tonight? Please, please. And like begging, but please, I promise I'll, I'll um, you know, just silly, goofy things. I'll pick your nose at the same time can I please do that so we're really bringing in that power of us games the silliness the goofiness I would invite a lot of that as much as possible and really to remember to remind dad that your son his son really wants connection and there are lots of reasons why the feelings might be there so even though there's that apparent reluctance to really trust that actually his son really, your son, your combined son really wants his dad to connect with him deeply and to really also to see is dad willing to do, is he willing to do attachment play, is he willing to listen to feelings. So after the attachment player then maybe suggesting actually then just to say, for you to say, sweetheart, to loving the myth. So basically empathy first here in this case. So you might say to your son, Sweetheart, I really hear that you want me to put you to bed tonight, sweetheart. And daddy's going to put you to bed and he'll be right here with you and he'll play with you and he'll listen to your feelings. 
and and you might start crying then and you could listen I really hear spirit so you could keep listening keep listening and then also dad could do the same just giving empathy so if he's crying to say I know sweetheart you love having mummy put you to bed you love mummy of course you do we we love mummy so much don't we and I'm going to put you to bed tonight, sweetheart. And I'm right here with you. And I'm listening. And I welcome all your feelings. I'm right here with you. So it's really trusting that when we offer that beautiful loving space for all the feelings that sometimes it also can be, you know, because sometimes we might have inadvertently suppressed feelings. And it might mean that actually with dad, those feelings are more free to come up. And that's what's happening. So it's really trusting in this process of listening to feelings that appear to be all about having dad and not mum where other feelings from the past can come up which might have been you know maybe dad wasn't around so much at earlier times so that can be part of it too so the next question is about a 20 month old uh, my 20 months baby has never slept through the night he wakes up 10 times during the night and he would sleep by himself more than two hours during the day Am I wrong if I wake him up after maximum two and a half hours or he will sleep even badly during the night or waking up super early in the mornings? What do you suggest to do? So again, I would say, of course, if you've checked out all the physiological things, all the body things, that there's nothing going on there, then I would say ten times a night would probably be a sign of accumulated feelings. Waking up 10 times a night to me indicates that if there's nothing going on physiologically that there's some big feelings sitting there that are waking him up. So the idea being that when children, babies come up into lighter sleep, that if there are feelings sitting there in their bodies, again, because of their beautiful innate wisdom, those feelings come up to be expressed. So again, and all the things that I've already suggested would be really lots of listening for yourself first and then really supporting attachment play and listening to crying and raging, particularly before sleep. And I think you'll find then it's not so much about the, the nap in the day, it's probably more about what's happening before sleep. So again, we can be, and again, in this culture, that's what we get taught to do, to distract, to do things, to be doing all the things to stop the feelings coming out. And if we're doing that, then they will keep trying to come out. Uh, I would also recommend having listened to the episode that's coming next, which is the conversation I had with Nick Wilson, who's an aware parenting instructor and Marion Method mentor, called, I think I'm calling it Transforming Sleep where she talks about her daughter who woke up every 45 minutes for the first three years until she found out about aware parenting and how that really transformed very quickly as soon as she started listening to lots of big feelings. So again, to remind you, your son wants to sleep and it's, again, being that emotional detective to look at look for ways where you're inadvertently... Uh, suppressing those natural relaxation processes again with so much love and compassion for all of us like we all get we this is what we got told isn't it this is what happened to us you know to do all these things to calm them down to make them feel calm rather than actually looking for all the ways that they're they're using that beautiful natural wisdom to laugh to play to cry to rage with our loving support so that they feel beautifully naturally relaxed these innate processes that they're born with they're so wise our bodies are so wise 
So, um, next question. Aged 18 months, I've had a really great start. Home birth and breastfed and co-slept to January two months ago. Yum. Since that has, has lots of feelings at bedtime. We slowly transitioned him in with brother to help with connection, but he often stays awake for an hour after brother. He fights the sleep and throws himself around. Mum and dad try to settle rock hold. Eventually falls asleep, but very frustrating. We do lots of play and connection, but I feel like we are missing something as he's very unsettled and often wakes in the middle of the night also. Yeah, so I'm sending you lots of love and I really, really hear how frustrated you feel. And I wonder if you're already listening to what you've listened to, to really see he... So you said fighting sleep. Again, does it resonate from this perspective that he's not fighting sleep, that it's more us inadvertently doing things that are actually preventing those natural processes? He wants to sleep. He really, really, really does. So I'm sending so much love to the frustration. I so acknowledge all the things that you're already doing. So acknowledge all the play, all the connection. And I hear you say you think you're missing something or you have the sense you're missing something. And, and yeah, there, there's some little tweaks here that will really support him to feel relaxed. So it's really normal and natural again. He's got lots of feelings at bedtime. So it's really maximizing listening to that. Really, really maximizing because basically the larger the percentage of feelings he gets to release and express to you and with your loving support, the big, loud crying or raging with the vigorous body movements, that's literally releasing stress from his system. That's literally releasing tension. He's holding his muscles from the fight-flight response. He's literally getting to actually share what he's experienced. So, especially if you say settling, rocking and holding. So from an aware parenting perspective, the settling and the rocking would be working against his natural relaxation processes. So again, I wonder if it helps to think, rather than him fighting sleep, that, that the, the settling and the rocking are actually fighting against his natural innate relaxation processes. So what my invitation be is to experiment, to see, to you get to play with that and for, to everybody here and anyone who's listening to play with these things, to observe, to experiment, to observe again and to really, you are the expert and you know I can only offer suggestions. You're the ones who are doing this, you're the ones who are observing, to listen to yourself, to observe your child. But are there ways that he's trying to, you said he's already got feelings at bedtimes, to really maximize listening to those, to, to move in close, to find that balance of attention. I'm right here, sweetheart. I'm listening, letting it all out. And to really say, this is beautiful. This is his wisdom to let the feelings out at bedtime. And again, the, the more he gets to express, the more, the bigger those feelings are, the more those feelings are leaving his body. And then you'll find that you don't need to do the, the rocking and the settling. You're just listening and listening and listening. He's letting it all out. And they can feel beautifully relaxed. And again, I would also be curious about what happened two months ago. Why did you move away from co-sleeping? And was anything else going on? And might he have some particular feelings to express about that? And... Is that actually really what you want to be doing? Do you want to go back to co-sleeping? But those are all other, other questions, really. But just to really trust and work with and collaborate with and cooperate with those calls that he has to 
express the feelings and release the tension from his body. Next question, 16-month-old, still waking three to four times a night and requiring our assistance to fall back to sleep. Is this normal? Is it normal that he has never slept through? Either. I mean, not even close. As a newborn to 12-month-old mark, he woke almost every one to two hours. It's so hard to not get angry at this point. I'm so tired. Oh, sweetheart. And I know we talked back and forth on Instagram about this, but I am sending more love, more compassion. I really, 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 really hear how tired you are. And again, my first invitation would be you to, if you haven't already got an empathy buddy, to reach out and get some support, to, to have your feelings listened to. And also to the anger as well. So the more you can get to express it to an adult, you can release it from your body so that it's not showing up with your son. And then that will help you remember that he is not doing this deliberately. He wants to sleep as much as you want him to. And that unfortunately it's, you know, again, this is the most painful thing, but that's why I always invite you to put down any sticks. That unfortunately it's because we are working against those natural relaxation processes that's actually preventing them from being able to sleep. So if we can hold that in mind without picking up the guilt sticks, that can help us remember that they they are wanting to sleep they are probably have been inviting these processes and we have probably been working against them that can prevent us from then having unhelpful thoughts in relation to them that they're doing it deliberately all those things they're not they you know he wants to sleep so when you talk about is this normal and then and all of those things so again that waking every one to two hours Again, unless there's physiological things going on, it tells you there's lots of feelings sitting in his body. Again, I invite you to listen to the next episode where Nick talks about also experiencing that until she starts to wear parenting and listens to big feelings. And basically, I'm going to say the same thing really is then being that emotional detective, looking for the ways where you're inadvertently suppressing his feelings, where he might be inviting play but particularly where he's trying to cry and you might be distracting him or reading stories or shushing him or singing lullabies or or giving snacks or giving food or giving boob or all the different things that we can do to distract uh, lovelies from their feelings and to see are you do you feel confident actually that that isn't meeting need and that's actually preventing him to express the feelings that he's really really wants to express so that he can let it out, so that he can feel beautifully relaxed in his body, so that he can then just sleep and stay asleep and sleep restfully. And then really, yeah, just doing whatever we can to cooperate with that, to move in with play, to move in with listening to the big feelings, to move in with loving limits if necessary. But yeah, I, I'm sending you so much love and this can, you really can transform this. And the next question, my 13-month-old likes to pull my hair and rub it between her fingers whilst breastfeeding to sleep. I can't stand it. I'm aware it's likely a control pattern. I just continue to redirect her hand and say, please don't pull my hair. Does this sound reasonable? So I wouldn't say it's not about reasonable or not, but to see, like to really listen to you and to really observe what's actually going on for her. So I really hear that you can't stand it. And I wonder if you want to 
connecting again with an empathy buddy or an aware parenting instructor, like what's going on for you, what's bubbling up for you. But also to really trust that what you're also picking up on is her agitation. And what she's communicating to you probably is that she's got feelings bubbling up and that whilst you're breastfeeding her, those feelings are getting suppressed. And so that the, the rubbing your hair between her fingers is part of that suppression. So I wonder if you want to try out doing something completely different. So do you, do you want to stop breastfeeding her to sleep? Would you like to feed her just a little bit earlier on? Or would you like to then moving, move in and to really support her to express the feelings that are, that are getting suppressed by that rubbing your hair between her fingers? So it's really playing with the knowing that you get to play around with this, you get to experiment, you get to see, but to really trust that in your systems for both of you, it sounds like both of you are saying that there's something that's really not a fit here, that's really not meeting either of your needs. So that would be my invitation to see that you can do it differently and to really know from an aware parenting perspective that, and of course, anybody gets to do whatever they want to do and if right before bed we're doing things to make them feel relaxed, that can often be repressing their feelings. And it can make it harder for them to express their feelings to us. And if we're suppressing feelings, it helps them go into a a more relaxed state, but it's not as powerful as the true deep relaxation that comes through working with their natural relaxation processes of laughter, play crying and raging with loving support and vigorous movement so would you like to play around with this and do things really differently so that you're not experiencing something that you can't stand because that's really not helpful for either of you it's not helpful if you having this nightly experience of i can't stand this and whatever the feelings might be with that of maybe frustration or agitation and whatever it is and and all the feelings that she's also feeling at the time that she's not getting to express so my invitation would be to to do something different and to play with it and to to um, do things in a way that actually are really enjoyable for you because that's the beautiful thing about breastfeeding to you know when we're really seeing that if we're using it to suppress feelings sometimes that can mean like this it's not really very enjoyable for either that either it's not really this beautiful present loving eye-gazing beautiful experience it can be so that we can support it to return to that again by just playing around with when we offer it and when we listen to feelings so i'm sending you lots of love sweetheart so the next question includes some information about traumatic birth so I just want to give you that little notice so here age of the baby is 10 and a half months Uh, traumatic birth massive separation lots of medical intervention with lots of feelings to be listened to I was about to say that so you already know that that your baby's got lots and lots and lots and lots of feelings to express to heal from that traumatic birth and amazing that you understand this and are already supporting them that's already just been transformative so i only started listening to feelings at approximately seven and a half months old so that's three months ago uh, when i discovered aware parenting before this they were repressed a lot and gradually increased time listening from five minutes upwards so yay i'm so celebrating you discovering aware parenting 
and you gradually increasing that amount of time that you can listen. So I'm finally able to listen as long as Bob needs to express and I'm slowly but surely seeing the improvement in reduced wakes at night. Yay, I'm so, so, so happy to hear that. And isn't that wonderful? I imagine that gives you really deep reassurance about what a huge difference it's making for them and how they're feeling more and more relaxed. Um, oh, it's a she. Yeah, more and more relaxed she is. Only this week I, have I been able to commit to this as I've always worked it up in my head that she would not stop crying without me helping her. Yeah, and I so hear you. And again, that's so normal and natural in a culture where we're not supported to understand that babies heal from trauma through crying and raging in our loving arms when all their needs are met. And also, as I talk about elsewhere, that because pretty much none of us experienced being with our own natural healing process, getting to cry in the loving arms of someone who felt calmer, relaxed and knew what was going on and trusted our process whilst all our needs were met. So we, most of us have never had that experience, particularly as babies or children, of the big cry and feeling really safe and really held and just being with that process and coming out the other side feeling so relaxed and calm and present in our bodies and just knowing innately that that is a gorgeous thing so we don't have that body knowledge anymore we do have the innate wisdom but we don't have the embodied experience of that ourselves and when we do and you know in inner work or actually not inner work but with support from others actually getting to experience that more and more externally can give us that reassurance but also then seeing it with our baby or child. Ah, look, they have these big intense feelings. There's a crescendo and then maybe even another crescendo and maybe even another one. And then they actually finish expressing this whole chunk of feelings and they come out the other side and they, they're so relaxed and present and they're making this beautiful eye contact and their muscles are relaxed and they're, and they're molding into the hug and they're having this beautiful restful sleep. And of course we get that reassurance. Oh my gosh. Of course, they'll finish that chunk of feelings and they will come out the other side. Um, so you, sh you said she had been waking up to 10 times a night. I'm sending you so much love again, so much compassion. And of course, you know, you know that it takes a while for babies to get to express all the feelings that we were inadvertently suppressing. So there's, a, there's usually a time period where there's more. It's not only the present time, it's actually getting to express and release all the feelings from the birth and the separation. And um, you said, when she wakes the night after I've gone to bed, I breastfeed due to my limit being uh, I need sleep. Well, the more feelings that I listen to in the day before bed continue to reduce the wakes at night, was more night listening required. Yeah, I generally find, I mean, sometimes babies do need to, particularly if there was a, um, particular point of their birthing that happened in the night that sometimes they will need to express some feelings at that same time but in general yeah just you maximizing the amount of listening that you can do um, and to really know that's really normal and natural for babies to have a lot of feelings and and as you say I'm finally able to listen as long as bub needs to express you might even find there's actually even more than you thought because I know that was my journey to, to keep on being surprised how many feelings babies have and yep exactly so basically every time you're listening to feelings she's releasing those feelings from her body she's healing from more of that stress and trauma those feelings are literally leaving her body 
and she's going to feel more and more relaxed so she has less and less need to wake up in the night to express those feelings then. Um, is attachment play helpful with sleep as well at this age? It can be. Again, it's really experimenting and observing her and seeing what difference it makes. And being out and missing a connection piece as well, maybe. Um, ah, yes, so if you are having that sense that uh, you're missing that, it's yeah, really important to really develop that deep connection as well as the listening to feelings. So you say do some peekaboo games as well during the day, etc. before bed, before she does crying in arms. Yay, beautiful. Yeah, that could be really about helping yourself, feeling deeply calm and present in your body before you listen to her feelings. Really just offering that beautiful eye contact and, and just, you know, I'm right here, I'm listening, I love you, sweetheart. Maybe some endearments, just reminding yourself how much you love her. It may also be that you've got feelings showing up from the birth and the separation. Are you getting enough listening? Have you had enough opportunity to heal from the traumatic experience that you had? That's also really important too. So if we haven't done enough of that, we might dissociate. So then we, might, we won't feel so much connection. That's, that's really important. Um, we co-sleep bedsheet at night. Yum, that's so wonderful. And particularly if there's been separation, even more important. So, so celebrating you. Uh, and you say, thank you, Marion, for your sharing your wonderful knowledge. Ah, oh, my pleasure, lovely. So much love to you. So here's the penultimate question. Hello, dear Marion. How do you help a baby to relax if he never releases any feelings through crying? We're trying through attachment play and lots of connection time, but he never lets his feelings come out and we're exhausted. He's wake up eight plus times during the night. Oh, sweetheart, I really, 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 really hear how exhausted you are. I'm sending you so much love. So again, what I would invite you to do is to have your own support because generally if babies or children are not expressing their feelings, it usually, it usually means there's something going on for us. Um, so getting to express our feelings like how has it been for you since uh, you've had him how was the birth how do you feel if you imagine him expressing his feelings with you really getting some listening from an empathy buddy or an aware parenting instructor and again I'll go through the same list which is really to see um, are you inadvertently suppressing the feelings? So that can be through jiggling and rocking. It can be through shushing or singing lullabies or distracting with playing or um, giving food or um, breastfeeding or bottle feeding when they're actually not hungry. There are so many ways that we can inadvertently be distracting them from their feelings. So that's always the first place to do. Or the second place after having our own feelings heard and then the more we understand that the more we can then rather than distracting or suppressing really moving in with that warmth and connection and inviting the feelings I'm right here with you I'm here I'm listening so yeah I'm sending you lots of love and the last question hello hello lovely I've recently come across Aware Parenting and wow, I am a fan. Yay, me too. <laughs> we have a gorgeous six-month-old boy. Since birth, he worked every two hours to feed, was quite easily settled and went back to sleep. We do a mix of bed sharing and him going down in his cot. Now we have no issues with getting him to sleep at the beginning of the night. However, it's the wakings that we struggle with. 
He's only a few times slept for longer than a three-hour stretch. He's recently he's been waking in quite a tears, heavy crying and agitated body, and then harder to get back to sleep. The nights are very long at the moment. Thank you kindly in advance. Um, and whoops, my question is, please send through any ideas or suggestions in supporting longer stretches of sleep. So again, I want to say, sweetheart, I really, really hear how long the nights are. I'm sending so much love to you and probably the exhaustion. So there are two things here going on. Number one, I'm imagining is uh, whatever you're doing before sleep. So often if if people say, and you again will see these themes, so anyone who's been listening to the whole thing, you'll see these themes showing up. So if you have no issues with getting him to sleep, are you doing things to distract him from his feelings? to go to sleep because often that will mean if we're distracting them then they're not getting to express the feelings then then they will keep waking up to try and express the feelings so do you want to play with doing different things instead of what you are doing would you like to play with uh, listening to feelings when they bubble up and to to really support him in expressing his feelings in your loving arms and really noticing him moving into that relaxed state. And already do you start noticing a difference uh, in terms of the night waking. Um, ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. So the other thing, basically I tend to think that most people are going to be more, have more emotional spaciousness to listen to crying, but not in the middle of the night. I mean, you might be different. So if you are willing to listen at night, basically the more you listen before he goes to sleep, the less feelings you have sitting in his body, and so the less they'll be trying to come out in the night. However, if you are able to listen in the night, when you say he's waking quite a tears, does it help to see that if you've been suppressing his feelings on going to sleep, then he's he's going into lighter sleep, he's these beautiful feelings are sitting in his body. His beautiful natural system is trying to release them through the crying. And you said agitated body. So remembering that's how they move out of the fight-flight response is through crying and vigorous body movements. That's releasing that tension in the arms and legs. So that's the natural process. Again, checking out, of course, all the physiological things first. But that's the natural process of release. So to actually, if you can rather than trying to get him back to sleep, to really listen, to be the right there, to support that big cry, that, those big vigorous body movements, that is the release happening. But if you prefer to listen in the evening instead, the more you can listen in the evening, rather than um, suppressing those feelings, the, the less those feelings are going to bubble up in the night time. So the second thing I was going to mention as well is there is often a correlation between the gap between feedings in the daytime and the gap uh, at night. And so it's often really helpful to remember that um, you know, baby's feeding approximately, of course, we're not ever going by the clock, but by observing their cues roughly every two hours between beginning of one feed and the beginning of the next, that their tummies are get, getting bigger. So if we want for us to feel more comfortable and confident that they've got their needs met and that they have feelings to express, but also so that they can sleep longer, is observing their cues and noticing actually when we might be feeding them when they've got feelings rather than they're hungry. And then just to be gradually extending that amount of time between feeds so that they're, they're getting used to that and they're taking in more at each feed uh, as their tummies get bigger so that they can naturally go longer between each feed. And 
then noticing then there's usually a correlation between that the amount of time in the day and the amount of time at night so as well they're getting used to having having more so that they can actually sleep for longer if there aren't feelings to express if there are feelings to express they're just going to be waking up anyway but there's that other factor too in terms of hunger and um, the feeding gaps so I wonder how you feel hearing that so I wonder how you're all feeling if you've listened to all of those that was a lot of questions and I wonder if it's helpful to notice the the themes you might have seen similar things showing up and my similar responses Again, what I want to remind you is you are the expert on your child. So please, if you're ever concerned that there is something going on, you know, that maybe they have something physiologically, please listen. That might be if they're getting sick or they're, that they maybe have a food intolerance or there's, they're sleeping right next to the Wi-Fi modem or something like that. Of course, please always hold those things in mind, not just assuming that there are feelings. And knowing that when you put in place these other things that's the beautiful thing is you can generally just see the sleep changing so as you have more of your feelings heard as you're doing less things to actually stop their natural processes of healing and relaxation as you're following their lead whether that's with attachment play or whether that's listening to crying or raging whether that is offering a loving limit is this really being that experimenter and then observing okay what happens if this night uh, we really did all of those things and, and we actually notice the sleep being different. So it's really being that experimenter, you making those observations because you're the one that's there and and you can really observe what's going on and what might need to be tweaked. As always, I do recommend for anything like this and particularly if your child has experienced uh, stress or trauma well all babies experience stress but if your baby's experience trauma and particularly if you're having a really hard time with sleep i really invite you to reach out to an empathy buddy in the first place on many so you can do that on the uh, free facebook group that's called aware parenting listening partnerships set up by carolina valencia coleman who's an aware parenting instructor in australia uh, and or no, not all. I recommend Empathy Buddy for everyone. But I also recommend if you want more support about really understanding what's going on for your child, particularly, you know, if you're finding it hard or they've got lots of big feelings, or you're just unsure and you want actually information and reassurance about what you're doing and whether it's helpful, is to reach out for support from an aware parenting instructor. There are lots of amazing instructors all over the world. There's also Aletha Salter herself. She still offers consultations. There are so many people out there who can support you to have sound sleep and for your baby or child to be securely attached with you. You really, really don't need to resort to things that really don't fit with your values you really can attend to your child and and you probably have heard me sharing throughout this episode that um, just to really when we understand that our babies and children they want to sleep they're not fighting sleep they can really support us when we have that helpful information to just to, to be deeply compassionate with them as well as with ourselves about how hard this can be so I am sending you so much love, sweetheart. And yeah, if you want more, I really, really recommend. If you haven't already, go and listen to the last one. Come and listen to the next one. 
with Nick. It's very powerful. I cried in this one. And uh, I do have a free intro to Sound Sleep on my website at the moment. If you're listening in March 2023, it does lead you to uh, my old course, which doesn't exist anymore. But if you if you want more support, there's also this new course coming. There's also this new book coming. There's also an online workshop coming too. So if you want more support, just also I invite you to keep listening to this series too. Thank you so much, lovely. And if you want to find any more of my work, my website is marionrose.net. I do also have a new nine-month mentoring offering at the moment, which includes aware parenting. If you want support with your sleep from me, but also all the Marion method work in terms of your own inner reparenting and reculturing. So reach out to me if you're interested in that. Okie dokie, so much love to you. I am so willing for you to get more sleep, for you to get to really actually even come to enjoy these natural relaxation processes. And I am sending you a big, big hug.